The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. All right, it's 4 p.m. on Wall Street. Do you know where your money is? Welcome to Financial Issues, where we align reality with truth. Conservative talk radio you can count on. Financial issues that you need to know. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. We will simply apply to government the common sense that we all use in our daily lives. Analyzing markets and financial news, this is Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burt, continuing on for our beloved founder, uh, Dan Celia, who has gone into glory. Uh, For partners, I wanted to let you know that I did add a couple little comments into the commentary, just some clarification on some companies that we added to the buy list this week. So uh, we did get the buy list kicked back off and going again last week. We are working diligently toward getting some positions in all the sectors up. Uh, We're moving a little bit slow here in the beginning. You know, we are in earnings season and there's quite a few things that we want to keep our eyes on here as we are adding to those positions. So economic news right now. Um, Let's take a look at AAA gas prices. Uh, Probably not news to anybody, but gas prices have come down. The national average now sits at $4.47. So I found it interesting that even a liberal media outlet, uh, CNN, ran a story last month outlining the three reasons that gas prices are high and probably won't come back down soon. So this was over uh, about a month and a half ago that they ran this story. And their three reasons were Russia, of course. And yes, I agree that has some some to do with it. They are, a, you know, they do supply a good bit of the world's oil and gas. And now we're trying to put sanctions, but, you know, country, some countries are still buying it. Some countries have to out of necessity, and some just don't really care about what's right. Um, the second reason was COVID, disruptions to supply and demand. And yes, I agree with that. You know, COVID was, you know, the gift from the Chinese, the China virus. It was not uh, any doing of our, our, our own here. I can't. I won't blame that on Biden either. But I will say that his administration and many in his party, you know, were in favor of lockdowns, you know, shutting down the whole economy and keeping it locked down and then flipping the switch back on. And he didn't really have a good plan for flipping the switch back on. Um, We had supply chain uh, constraints, you know, all of those things. Oil companies stopped trying to get oil out of the ground because there was such a decrease in demand. And that's just a function of, of capitalism. But the third thing that they, the third reason that they cited for higher oil prices and gas prices is the lack of refining capacity. And even Joe Biden sent a letter out to the oil companies here recently, um, encouraging them to get more oil out of the ground um, and to refine more, really criticizing them because they aren't refining, they aren't using all of their capacity. Well, you know, even though more oil rigs are coming online, (laughs) more than, uh, and he even bragged about this, probably to the behest of his uh, liberal part of his party, but that he has more rigs coming online than President Trump did in the first year of his administration. So the problem is, is that more oil coming out of the ground, it still has to get refined before we can use it. And the problem there is Joe Biden's politics. His promises on the campaign trail said that he was going to eliminate fossil fuels. Everyone was going to have an EV. We were going to, you know, get off of this evil kind of energy production. And, you know, companies are going to respond to that when they think that they can't make a profit in the environment that they're in because of government regulatory policies. They're not going to invest money in a losing proposition, unlike our government, who will invest money in just about anything, whether it uh, is a good idea or not, as long as it keeps them in power and brings them votes. So this week is all about housing. Um, We're seeing, we're watching housing, and we've had a really, really strong housing market for the last uh, many years, actually. And we're starting to, 
you know, the things that we're watching right now in the economy, you know, I started to watch the White House press briefing, and then I just really lost interest because they were just, it was just way out there. Um, You know, they're talking about how strong our economy is and all of those things, which, yes, there are some pockets of strength in the economy still. Um, And, you know, I believe that is just a holdover from the last administration that we have, you know, where we had good business regulation, we had lowered taxes, we had, you know, um, America first, we had a lot of confidence in our leadership, like him or not, he was a good leader. Um, The world leaders, uh, I don't know what the word that you want to use, maybe not revered or respected him, but they were certainly had a healthy fear of what he would do in order to protect his country. Uh, We don't have that now. You know, we're under a, a totally different set of circumstances. But there are still some pockets of strength in the economy, and hopefully we won't lose all of that. Hopefully we will see a red wave in November. Um, Folks, I want you to be diligent. I want you to be prepared about the elections that you can influence in your area, you know, by voting, by volunteering, by talking to your friends and family about the things that are going on in this country and the way that we need to be moving if we want to be an end-time force. So let's get this country back on track. So this week is all about housing. We're looking at, you know, several things in the economy. Inflation right now is the big talk. You know, we're sitting at 9.1%, numbers that we haven't seen in over 40 or 50 years. That inflation is being driven primarily by oil, food, labor, and, of course, housing costs. So we've had a shortage of inventory in the housing market for a while. People have really been, um, there have been a shortage of, of homes for sale, people who wanted to buy homes. That is changing as interest rates are going up. The housing market index came out, and that is a monthly survey of home builders. They are asked questions about the current sales of single-family homes and sales expectations for the next six months and the rate of traffic for prospective buyers. So they are um, scored on an index, and a number of 50 indicates neutral. So anything over 50 is positive. Builders are positive. Anything below that is negative. So the reading came out, and for the seven month in a row, it declined. It hit 55 for July, which is coming back down toward neutral and hopefully not going below that. And this is the lowest reading since May of 2020, which of course was during COVID, and it dropped 12 points from last month. So figures were much lower than the forecast. They were forecasting for 65. Of course, we got 55 again in the short term. The experts were quite a bit off. So it is an indication of a cooling housing market as we're seeing prices rise and interest rates uh, really impact affordability. So we're seeing mortgage rates sitting at almost 100% higher than what they were in the last part of last year, so almost a year ago. The current sales sub-index dropped 12 points to 64. Buyer traffic fell to 37 from 48. And sales expectations in the, in the next six months declined 11 points to 50. So what we're seeing in the housing market is um, production bottlenecks. There's still been uh, a lot of lag time in getting supplies, supply chain issues, uh, rising home building costs, high inflation. All of these things are causing builders to stop what they're doing um, because for profitability reasons. So it's just another sign of a softening market. 13% of the builders in the survey reported reducing home prices in the last month to bolster sales. So we're going to be keeping an eye on all of this for you, and we're going to let you know how that relates to your portfolio strategy and what you should be doing. So we'll come back after this next break. I will... um, go right into the Ask Shanna part of the show where I address questions that were sent to us by the partners. So I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues and we'll be back right after this.
People are talking a lot about health care these days. There are so many changes, so many questions. As Christians, where can we turn for answers? At Samaritan Ministries, we believe the answer is in Jesus Christ, working in the lives of his people, demonstrating Christian community by sharing each other's medical needs, scripturally, faithfully. Here's just part of Brett's story in his own words. When I reflect on Samaritan Ministries, the biggest thing that stands out to me is that we, as a body of believers, are living out New Testament Christianity. This idea that Samaritan has adopted from the book of Acts should permeate all parts of our lives, not just health sharing. It it, it has a profound impact on people like me and my wife. Brett is just one of more than 150,000 members who are sharing over $13 million in medical needs each month. If you'd like to experience what it's like to partner with other Christians for your health care needs and you'd like to see what other members are saying, visit MySamaritanStory.org. Have you ever thought about banking with a credit union instead of a traditional bank? Not really, but I think my parents have a credit union account. Do you know the difference between a bank and a credit union? No. Banks are owned by stockholders, so they do their best to make profits for them. But credit unions are owned by their members, and the members see their profits through lower rates and higher interest on savings accounts. And at Christian Community Credit Union, our mission is to help members and ministries become better stewards and achieve their financial goals. Our mobile and tablet apps provide easy, safe, and convenient banking. It's like banking at your fingertips 24-7. When you bank with us, you're banking with someone who shares your faith and values. To get started today, visit us online at mycccu.com. Christian Community Credit Union. Your money, building God's kingdom. I pray that in these trying times that I can lead him in a way that I know will leave a godly imprint on his heart forever. And And to show her how to live a life that is pure. I want her to understand how precious life is and and to to take take care of his body. To eat right and exercise and understand that his body is a temple temple of of God. God. I pray that our family will love Jesus, read His Word daily, and obey His teaching. The values that we share should guide us in the way that we invest. Make sure that you are investing in companies whose policies and practices align with pro-life, pro-family values. Visit thetimothyplan.com or call for more information. Advance the kingdom in the way that you invest. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Shana Burt. I'm a financial advisor in private practice. Securities are offered through GA Rebel and Company, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, members of FINRA and SIPC. Important that I get that disclaimer out there um, as we go right to calls. Let's get to Charles. Uh, thank you, Shana, for taking my call. Uh, I'm... Uh I have a question about a 401k that I have. Uh, it's in a personal 401k. Uh, when I got laid off with this company I worked at, that's what I had to move it into with the same investor. Um, my thing now is I'm at retirement age uh, in November of this year. My 401k is in a 2020 plan with with them, um, but it's losing, naturally. I'm very concerned about it. I didn't want to be losing at this time of my age, and just wondering what was the safest thing for me to do with that 401k. Now, when you yeah. say it's a personal 401k, do you mean that you rolled it over into an IRA or it's uh, still in no, the company plan? It's still uh, it's still with the company uh, that I worked for, uh, who they had their 401k through with their employees. But once I was laid off and no longer working and contributing to it, I had they, they told me to roll it over into a personal 401k. So it's actually still in a 401k in a 2020 plan. They told me that they had it in. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes when you're when you're in a retirement plan and the only options that you have are the ones that they give you on the menu, lots of times you'll hear us say that the target date funds are best. But if you're in a 2020 plan, that indicates that w- what that means is that you retired or you're in the retirement phase of your life cycle in 2020. So what that's going to do is that's going to 
supposedly shift the investment mix to something that's very conservative. So in most money managers' eyes, what's conservative is bonds. Well, (laughs) bonds have suffered not quite as much as the market, but in a rising interest rate environment, bonds are, bond values are going to get hit and that's going to continue to happen. So um, what I would suggest, I don't know if you're a partner or not, but if you are if you are indeed in retirement, I would roll the money over into an IRA account rather than leaving it in the company sponsored plan. The the benefit of leaving it in that plan if you're still employed, which I think you said you got laid off, um, would be that you know you still have the ability to borrow against it, but you don't really have that ability if you've been laid off. So what I would suggest is rolling it over into an IRA account. And then, you know, maybe becoming a partner, watching some of the videos, looking at the asset allocation models. You just have a lot more choices when you roll it into an IRA. And most importantly, for for me anyway, is that you have the opportunity to become biblically responsible. Okay. Okay. I sure appreciate it, Shane. All right. Thanks for calling. Let's hear from Rob. Rob's calling from Ohio. Good morning, Shanna. Good morning. I just think about the iPod. I have I have a savings right now of about forty thousand dollars, and I know that you can put um, ten thousand dollars, ten thousand for myself, ten thousand for my wife, and that it would uh, come out penalty-free in a year if needed, only I, I believe that you would only, I would only lose three months' worth of, worth of interest if I take it out in a year instead of five years. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, what is the penalty if I take it out before that year? Is it worth the risk if I had to use it for something else? Um, I wouldn't. I mean, you, you're going to want to keep... Any emergency savings that you think that you're going to need in the next, you know, one to two years, you're going to want to just keep that in cash, money market, savings account, something like that. Anything over and above that that you would have at least a couple of years uh, that you wouldn't, you know, you feel certain that you wouldn't have to get to it, that's what I would put into the cash equivalents. So if you're looking on the partner side, we've now broken down the cash part to straight cash. And that's going to be indicated for, you know, really your emergency fund is not part of your investable portfolio at all. So that shouldn't be, if that $40,000 is your emergency fund, it shouldn't even be counted in that portfolio at all. But even within the investable portfolio, there's still a cash portion of it. So the cash part is going to be, you know, set aside for preservation reasons and it's it's money that we're looking at possibly redeploying in the shorter term, um, you know, in the next six to six to twelve months. The cash equivalent part of the portfolio is more for preservation reasons, and that is the portion of the portfolio that you would look at for those I bonds. Okay, that's great. I have um, so I. Are there some higher yield accounts, like something maybe in Ally Bank or or in um, or in uh, Capital One that would that would possibly anything that would earn somewhere in the one percent range that, that would be um, usable to put my emergency money in? Yeah, I think there are some things that you can find out there. You just want to make sure that they're really easy to use. Like you could get, you know, a check or you could transfer money back to your checking account fairly easily and that there aren't any um, any penalties to do that. You would also maybe want to look at um, Christian Community Credit Union has a great intro rate for, uh, for new money. You don't necessarily have to be a new member, but... Um, you know, just with new deposits that you bring in there, and they have a liquid CD, so that if you if you did need to get to some of that money, you would be able to do that, and you could probably find, you know, over a one percent rate there. Oh, right, that's great. 
Thank you. All right. Thanks for calling. Uh, let's get to Margaret. Margaret's calling from Louisiana. Hi, Shanna, Margaret, and uh, we are members. And I wanted to ask a question. My sister Cheryl called and asked us, and I wasn't really sure. Can I tell you, like, the place where she works at? Uh, sure. It's Henry Ford Hospital in Michigan. She has what they call a 401A, and it's in Empower Fund. She doesn't know much about the 401A. They said she's in a very conservative plan. They do match her. Um, and because she's in a conservative plan, uh, she didn't uh, gain much over the years of work. They said she could also withdraw one time per year and transfer to an IRA. And she was wondering, with the 65 and older, what IRA might be uh, biblically responsible. They do have the, her stocks through Empower Fund in the J.P. Morgan Smart Retirement. So um, most of the time, the funds that are offered in 401k plans are not biblically responsible simply because they just don't screen. And, you know, the statistics are that about 10% or less of publicly traded companies fail a biblically responsible screen, which means that they use company money to uh, promote or fund abortion pornography, the LGBT agenda, human rights violations, um, and and uh, anti-family entertainment. So most of the menu of 401k plans use uh, funds that don't screen, so you don't really have much choice to be biblically responsible. So if she is interested in becoming a partner, um, you can op- she can open an IRA, Uh, on a discount brokerage platform. If she's not interested in building her own portfolio and wants really kind of a low-maintenance way to do it, she could follow one of the Timothy models and open the account directly with Timothy. Now, if you do that, you'll be limited to just the Timothy funds. You won't be able to use the ETFs or anything uh, else that might be on the model. So using a discount brokerage might be the way to go. Even if she does the Timothy strategy, it's a pretty low-maintenance way of doing it. And that's going to be a way that she can become biblically responsible and she can start to track along with the strategy. A great idea. Very good. I appreciate it very much. (laughs) All right. We appreciate your support, and thanks for calling. All right, let's try to wrap up some of those other Ask Shanna questions. What do we have there, Seth? Sounds good, Shanna. Let's get to, let me grab our next one here. Uh, We've got David asking, is there any investment available to counter high inflation and downturn of a market? Okay, so those are kind of two, uh, two goals that are in a little bit of opposition to each other. So the traditional hedge to inflation is equity investing. So that's investing in stocks. Because what happens is that when you have inflation, um, inflation right now is being caused, uh, a, a lot of it's being caused by the higher oil prices, some of the supply chain issues, but and, and, and the tight labor market. You know, we have a, con- a condition in the country where, you know, we have not enough people wanting to work to support the kind of economy that we have. So, you know, Um, I think that's in part due to a lot of government handouts. The Obama administration was very uh, instrumental in encouraging people to get on government assistance. Remember the Obama phones and, you know, all of those things and uh, trying to get people dependent on the government for their welfare. And, you know, the labor participation was decreasing. They were saying that people were just retiring and so on and so forth coming out of the workforce. Um, But when inflation happens, its prices are going up. So companies are going to pass that along to the consumers. If their cost of goods is going up, they're ultimately going to pass that on to consumers. So that's why buying those companies are traditionally the way to keep up with or be a hedge to inflation. So the second part of that question, uh, I think, was to avoid a downturn 
in the market. Well, typically what happens when we go into inflation, we have rising rates. That tends to slow the economy. The market is a forward-looking indicator. Temporarily, the market will tend to come down ahead of inflation as we have seen this year. So it's really kind of a a double-edged sword, but I believe that to stay ahead of inflation, you have to be somewhat in the market, maybe not 100%, uh, and none of our models are 100% in equities. So it's a good strategy to take a look at. Uh, You have to be in stocks to, to avoid inflation, but you have to be willing to take some risk on the downside in the short term. But if you stick with your plan, most of the time you're going to be successful in the long run. So we're going to come back. We've got a little bit left in the show. I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues, and we'll be back right after this next break. know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. Now, back to Financial Issues Week in Review. Welcome back to Financial Issues. I'm Shanna Burt. I'm a financial advisor in private practice. Securities are offered through GA Repl and Company, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor, members of FINRA and SIPC. The information that I give is for informational purposes only, and you should indeed do your own due diligence uh, in addition to the information that I give you. So, Important that I say that as we get into the Ash Shanna part of the show. So let's get right to the Ash Shanna. I know we've got a lot of questions on there, and we're trying to get caught up there. Sounds good here, Shanna. Let's start with Dave. We've got uh, him asking, looking for a little assistance with the Partners Portfolio Tracker as it pertains to the Timothy funds and what categories in the drop-down menu to assign them to. Something was modified in the original tracker that scrambled everything, so I have started over in the proper model for my age. Some of them are obvious, but I will list them all just the same. He's using the Partners Investment Allocation Model 55 to 65, and then Shanna, he lists those. It's about seven different uh, you know, Timothy funds there. Included in those is ETF2 and ETF5. Okay. And he just wants to have some help with that. Great. So I'm glo- I'm so glad to hear that he's using that portfolio tracker. That is an awesome tool. Um, if you are managing your own portfolio, I just don't know how you're doing it if you're not using that tracker. So yes, there were some things that we did on the back end of the website that reset com- some of the sectors. And so you have to go back in and rematch them. So the the easiest way to do that is to look at your symbol if you're comparing it. You know, if you're going from your brokerage um, software or your brokerage output into the, the tracker, which you have to put the symbols in, take a look at the name of the fund. We tried to um, update that on the categories so that it made it easier to do the match. Um, if there is a, and I see that there are, at least one of the funds that are no longer in that model, then you code that to the other category and then you have to decide what do you want to do with it. So you have to decide, do you want to get rid of it and uh, shift that money to the other things that are in the model, which would be the logical conclusion. Now, I will say this, if you're using the mutual funds, anytime you go from one fund to another, you want to put that in as an exchange. You don't want to do a sell and then another buy. The system may pick up, you know, whenever you are within the same fund family, there's a 90-day reinstatement um, feature that says that you don't have to pay another commission to go into it, but your brokerage platform may or may not pick that up automatically. So the best way to make sure that you don't get charged excessive 
uh, commissions on those mutual funds is to process it as an exchange rather than a buy and a sell. Uh, the two ETFs, uh, ETF number two and number five, you can code those interchangeably on the tracker and also with one and six. Those can be coded uh, to the same, to whatever's on the, the model. For the 55 and up, I'm using the enhanced strategy on those ETFs. So two and five are pretty much the same holdings. They just have uh, an enhanced strategy that has some features that as the index that it follows drops, it will move to cash. So it can move 75% to cash. It also has some other triggers to redeploy that cash should the market go down further or start to recover. So in the 55 and up group, I am recommending the enhanced strategy if you're under 55, then you can just use the, the regular strategy. Good stuff, Shanna. That's awesome. Next one we've got here is Lonnie. She has two questions. First one is, why is UT40 not in blue? And the second is, when I enter my cash position into my portfolio, the columns do not populate properly. Can you help her out with that, Shanna? Sure. So uh, UT40 is, there are certain criteria that we look at to determine whether a stock is going to be in coded in blue or considered an income stock. And, you know, one of those things that we look at is the yield. So if it has, you know, a, a higher yield, then that, that would be one criteria. But it's not the only criteria. So although UT40 does have a pretty decent yield, um, we're not yet coding it a an income stock. But, you know, if you're using the income model or you're using the 65 plus model, you can be very income oriented by choosing companies in each sector that pay good dividends, whether they're a blue stock or not. And as far as the tracker goes, if you're having trouble with it getting populated, it probably has to do with the symbol that you're putting in. So you want to make sure that you have the right symbol, that you have no spaces or other characters in that field, and then that you have the uh, the price, the cost basis price, and the number of shares in the right category as well with no other spaces or characters. The, the tracker is a little bit sensitive to those things. Good deal, Shanna. Awesome. Next one is from Mike. He's saying, now that the buy list is back, I don't see the subsectors you mentioned. I was really looking forward to that. Do you know when that might become available? From the first day I heard you talk about that new feature coming to the buy list, I've been super excited to smartly diversify my portfolio. Any thoughts? <laughs> well, Mike, we are working on it. And that is really uh, a website issue that we have. So we have the website people researching how we can integrate that functionality. We have the list ready to go. We just have to um, have the web people figure out how we can get it done. Excellent. Very good. And then this one here, Shanna, is from Carol Lee. Uh, we mentioned ETF2 and ETF5 earlier. She's actually wondering about those ones as well. She said on the asset allocation, it mentions those two stocks. But um, she's basically wondering, should I own uh, ETF uh, five, but not ETF two. And what's the difference between the two? What are your thoughts on that one, Shanna? Uh, it doesn't say how old she is, does it? No, it doesn't. Okay. So the difference between uh, two and five is that, and I just uh, referenced this just a little bit earlier in that other question. So the difference between the two is the enhanced strategy. So the holdings are the same. Uh, in ETF 2 and 5 under normal conditions. Now, the enhanced strategy has the capability of going to cash when certain triggers are met. So drops in the index that it follows or increases, and it, will, it can go up to 75% cash, and then it can go uh, all the way back up to 100% invested in the positions. So that is the main difference. And if you're 55 or older, I prefer the enhanced strategy. If you're under, then just use the regular strategy. Um, if you already, so the regular strategy came out before the enhanced strategy. And a lot of times people wonder, should I sell the first one and get into the, to the enhanced strategy? And you can, and I would say if you're 
the lower your risk appetite is, the more you should gravitate toward that strategy because it's going to have those triggers that can move to cash within the ETF. Now, it will be slower to follow the index down. It will also be slower to a little bit slower to recover in some cases. So if your uh, risk appetite is higher, then you could just stick with the regular strategy or uh, you know, there's there's not all or nothing. You can you can do fifty fifty. So you can sell fifty percent of your of the allocation. You know, if the allocation is ten percent, you could go five percent in um, ETF two and five percent in ETF five. Good deal, Shanna. Awesome. Next one is from David saying, "Thank you for taking over financial issues." I have a question about. Um, a lot of companies' social positions. IT91, a company that just came out on the buy list, are friendly to the LGBT community. Most of the companies support ideas and have working plans that actually hurt our country. I just wanted to get your opinion on this. Okay. So the company in particular that you're talking about does screen clean. So one of the tools that I use for checking to see if a company is biblically responsible is the evaluator. You can find that um, and you can do this for yourself. You can go to the front page of the website, financialissues.org. And down the right-hand side, there's a little wheel there. And you'll see you can click on that. And I think it says screen it, clean it. You can uh, type in the ticker symbol for the stock, mutual fund, or ETF that you own. And you can see whether or not they are biblically responsible. So that particular company is still screening clean. So Specifically, what we're trying to screen out is the use of company money to promote those agendas. So there are lots of companies out there that are woke. They are being pressured by the left, you know, to support the LGBT agenda. So it's one thing to be friendly to people, you know, and as Christians, it's not a bad thing to treat all people equally in spite of their sins because we all have them. So homosexuality is no worse than adultery or um, having any kind of sex outside of the confines of marriage. And I would say that most people are probably guilty of at least one of those things. Um, if not, even, you know, Jesus said that it's it's equal uh, the sin of adultery is equal to lusting after a woman or a man in your own heart. So, you know, the scripture tells us that, that there are none of us that are without sin. So we shouldn't treat people badly because of their sin. In fact, it's kindness that leads us, that leads sinners to repentance. It's not hellfire and brimstone. I guess that could motivate, fear could motivate some people um, into a relationship with Christ, but it's really the goodness of God, His love, His mercy, His grace, and His kindness that draws people to Jesus. And as Christians, that's how we should act. So it's it's okay for a company um, to treat people equally and not look at their sin, but you know it's not okay for them to support it with company dollars. So that's kind of that's where the line in the sand is drawn and you know we do there's a lot of research that goes on uh, with these companies to find out if they're violating any of those screens and research is, is done on an ongoing basis. So if we ever do discover that they're violating one of those screens, you will get an alert to sell that company. So thanks for sticking with us. I'm Shanna Burt with Financial Issues and we're going to be back right after this next break. Here at the AFA Foundation, we help families just like yours shore up permanent income for their retirement years through our charitable gift annuities. AFA Foundation's Associate Director, Chelsea Wildman. We would love to work with you to see if a charitable gift annuity is right for your situation. With a charitable gift annuity, you'll be giving to the culture-transforming work of the American Family Association, and you'll be ensuring that you receive a lifetime income and excellent tax benefits. You can fund a CGA through cash, credit card, or stock. Why not reach out to the AFA Foundation team today? A charitable gift annuity benefits you and helps ensure the AFA will impact America for generations to come. Call 800-326-4543, extension 345. That's 800 800- 
326-4543, extension 345. Give us a call and let's talk about a charitable gift annuity. I got to hear how strong her heartbeat was. I was like, I felt like she was supposed to be here. And it didn't matter what anybody else told me. And all that mattered was that I was blessed with the ability to carry a life inside of my body. And that baby was supposed to be here for something. And that was all that mattered. This is the story of a young lady who decided to keep her baby after hearing her baby's beautiful heartbeat on ultrasound. The Ministry of Preborn provides ultrasounds for pregnancy centers across America for free. When an abortion-minded woman hears her baby's heartbeat on ultrasound, she is 80% more likely to keep her baby. And the story does doesn't end there. Your gift of $140 will cover the cost of five ultrasounds. All donations are tax deductible. You can help save a baby's life right here in America by donating to Preborn. To donate, dial pound 250 keyword baby, pound 250 baby, or donate securely at preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Do you know what you are supporting when you purchase mutual funds and stocks? Think about it. When you invest in a company, you make a decision to support the things that that company supports. And it may not be things that you agree with. We had no idea that we were supporting things like abortion, gambling, and pornography. Thanks to financial issues, we have changed all of that and have never felt better about our money. We are honoring God. The best decision we have ever made. Financial Issues is a ministry teaching people like you how to invest biblically, responsibly, keeping your investments clear of companies that may support an ungodly agenda. Grow your money God's way. Learn more by going to financialissues.org. Become a partner. Honor God and take control of your finances. Financialissues.org. Welcome to FISM News. I'm Ian Patrick. And I'm Samuel Case. Sometimes it's hard to keep up with the news of the day. At FISM News, we strive to report stories as clearly and simply as possible for your benefit. Stories that you need to know. You can watch us on FISM.tv and by downloading the FISM app. Also, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at FISM News. The opinions and recommendations expressed on this show do not necessarily represent the opinions of this station or any of the show's sponsors. Welcome back to Financial Issues. You know, here's a little bit of good news. I recently came across an article that talked about how U.S. companies in the U.S., their boardrooms are becoming more Republican and more partisan over the past Decade. So in 2020, the share of Republican executives was 68%, up from 63% in 2008, but down from 75% in 2016. What is more interesting from that study is that we're seeing a, a polarization in the C-suites. So the C-suites is the, the CEO, the CFO, the COO, the, the chief operating officers, um, financial officers, et cetera. So they call that the C-suite. Um, and what we're seeing is a polarization. So companies are are on their board of directors. They're either becoming more woke and having uh, more birds of a feather flocking together on that side of it, or they're becoming more Republican. Now, traditionally, uh, board of directors have been more Republican because it's it's Republicans that... Uh, value capitalism more. They are more entrepreneurial in spirit. They are for smaller government, less regulation, lower taxes. They just have a totally different economic philosophy than the other side of the aisle. And so what we're seeing is is a polarization there. So the problem that we've had and the reason that biblically responsible investing even exists is because these companies were being approached and pressured by the left, by activist organizations that come in and say, you know what, you really need to give us some of your money to support our cause of 
whatever it is. You need to support our Gay Pride Parade. Um, You need to donate some political action committee to people who are trying to change the definition of what God says marriage is. You need to support this Planned Parenthood clinic. You need to uh, give... uh, money towards this campaign for the Boy Scouts because we're trying to get gay troop masters there. So they come in and and then they say, you know, and this this LGBT community is a very affluent community. And if you don't, we're going to tell them what bigots you are. And so they get this pressure to support these um, causes. And oh, and then once one of them does it, oh, by the way, your competitor does it. So if you're not going to do the same thing that they're going to do, then we're going to tell our our consumers, our community that buy your products, not to buy your products and to buy another company's products. So the approach that we take is that we just want companies to remain neutral. We want them to do whatever they do well. We're asking them to operate in excellence. If you flip burgers, flip the best burger that you can. If you make uh, construction equipment, make the best construction equipment that you can. If you're a home builder, build the best home that you can. Just do the best in what you're called to do. Stay out of the culture war. Leave that to individuals because as individuals, we have to stand up for our values. And this is how we do it with biblically responsible investing. So we're asking those companies to remain neutral and just do what you do well, you know, so that we don't have any conflicts in our, with our moral values. Because as a Christian, you know, if I'm praying that Roe v. Way is overturned and that the hearts of the mothers and the fathers are returned to their children and that they don't want to murder them anymore, and we're praying that marriage stays defined as what God defined it as in the Bible, as one man, one woman, for life. If we're you know, praying for purity for our children, if we're praying for uh, fidelity in marriages and you know, and we know that pornography and all of these things is what's coming against the family in our society, then how can I pray like that, but then let my dollars be used to support it? So it almost cancels each other out. It just doesn't make sense that as Christians, you know, we agree, we come into agreement with the Lord that what he says is sin is sin. And we know that he's a good God. He's not just, he's not, he's not a a right, he is a righteous judge, but he's not just a a harsh judge sitting up there waiting to punish us if we step out of line. No, when he tells us do something or don't do something, it comes from a place of complete transparency. He knows everything. He's omniscient and a place of wisdom. So when he tells us do something or don't do something, it's for our good because he loves us. He knows that sin only hurts us and other people. And that's why he tells us not to do it. And he equips us with the Holy Spirit when we become believers to not only have victory over death, but to have victory over sin and walk that out in our lives. So, you know, we can't compartmentalize our faith. We can't, you know, we can't leave our faith at home when we go to work. We can't be Christians on Sunday and part of the world the other six days because, you know, it's bad company corrupts good character is what is what it says in the scriptures. And we're called to be salt and light. So we're not just called to be Christians on Sunday. We're called to take that salt and light into whatever place we find ourselves in our jobs, when we go to the grocery store, in our interactions with other people. Um, and in our investing. So that's what that's what we're supposed to be doing. And this is how this ministry helps us to bring that into our investing. So um, 
let's finish up the show. <laughs> what else do we have on social? <laughs> <laughs> we got some good stuff here, Shan. I love that. On a lighter note. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Here's a question from uh, Paula. And she said, I'm 59 years old. I have an inherited IRA and a Roth IRA from my father. And in almost five years that I've had it, it started at about $8,000, got up to almost 14000 in 2020, but is now back down to about 12000 It's in a Vanguard account. I know very little about it. I don't want to keep, I don't want it to keep dropping. What should I do with it? I'm looking into Timothy plan, but I don't know how much, I, I don't know much about investing and finances. And then she says, thank you so much for your help and wisdom, Shanna. Okay, great. So a couple of things there. Um, if you're invested in equities, you're going to see some volatility. So you're going to see exactly what you described. It went from eight to 14. Now it's down to 12. And I think the time frame was about five years. So if you take out that 14 and you just look from 8 to 12 in the last five years, that's a 50% increase. So when we when we do investing, we have to take at least what we uh, put forth here at the ministry is we need to take a long-term approach. So if you look at the markets over the last 50 years, the S&P 500, let's just say, um, the S&P 500 has averaged between 9 and 10% over the last 50 years. But if you look at those individual years, you're not likely to find there's only like one year that comes close to that 9% average, and there's only like 10 years out of the 50 years that are within a one point one percentage point um, range of that 9%. So there's 13, um, I believe there was like 13, uh, I'm sorry, 37 positive years and the rest of them were negative years. So the the good news is is that there's a whole lot more positive years than negative years, and the negative years average a decrease of about thirteen percent, and the good years average an increase of about twenty percent. So when you have the good years, they're really good, and when you have the negative years, they're really far less than that average of nine percent. But when you average them all out together, you know that's what you have. So you you know as you're looking at it you you can never think of I'm locking in those highs every time it goes you know to a new high I'm locking in that high because you're going to have fluctuation there and I think that's okay. Now to speak to the other part of that I prefer the Timothy plan over Vanguard because they are biblically responsible. You know the thing about it is the scripture tells us so many times do not worry do not fear. Be of good courage. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. And so anything that we have is, any increase that we have is a blessing from the Lord. And He owns everything. So what we want to make sure first and foremost that we do is to we we give Him His proper place and we honor Him. And so we can honor Him by being biblically responsible um, with those funds and, you know, moving them from a company that's not biblically responsible to a company that is biblically responsible. So I would encourage you, if you're not a partner, become a partner. Look at the asset allocation models. The the Timothy allocation model is very easy to follow. If you want a, a low-maintenance way of doing it, you can, you can follow that. You can you might be able to keep the uh, account where it is unless it's just on the mutual fund side of the company that you mentioned. You would have to be in the brokerage side where you could purchase those different funds and ETFs. If you want a more hands-on approach and to build a biblically responsible portfolio, you can use the investment strategy for your age and you can follow that asset allocation model. And there's a lot of videos on the partner side that explain just how to do that. Uh, we encourage you, don't get in a hurry. Don't get in a rush. Take your time. Understand the strategy. The most important thing is that you believe in your strategy and you stay disciplined. You stick to it because a long-term strategy might not look like it's working in the short time short term, you might need that longer term perspective. So just stick with it. And Seth, I totally forgot to ask you about the Bible study, but folks, Seth does a great Bible study um, on Friday mornings. You can find that information on the resource tab of our website, financialissues.org. So I encourage you to go there and be a part of that. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Thank you for joining us. This has been an FISM production.